0: college football youtube channel hope everyone had a good weekend hope everyone's having a good start to their week i i'm particularly excited about today's show for a couple of reasons one reunited with the great paul feinbaum which was going to make everybody happy part two as we sit here august 2nd it is officially the month where college football begins and we are a month away to the day from the first full saturday of the college football season so we continue to count down and get closer so let's bring in Paul Feinbaum, a month away from the start of the season. Paul, I hate wishing away summer, but man, here we are.
1: Yeah, you you start to to dread it at one point, but Matt, now now that we're here, I, I'm I'm not wishing it away anymore. In fact, I wish it was already uh, here, coming this weekend. But we can we can survive three more weeks.
0: Three more weeks until basically our weekends go away to the greatest sport on the planet. I want to start with what one of the major storylines uh, in the college football world today. Just when you thought realignment was over realignment rears its ugly head again last week Colorado who did virtually nothing in the Pac-12 has decided to leave the Pac-12 you know, just about a decade after they left the Big 12 to return to that league and, and Paul now what you have is we've seen it look we know how this is going to end up there's a trickle down effect when one team leaves another team gets interested. Said team will have to be connected to their state school, a la USC UCLA. TV rights deal wasn't exactly the greatest deal on, on the books. And now who knows what's going to happen in this conference with this latest news.
1: Yeah, and, and Matt, I mean, but before we even finished uh, doing this, it, something could change. So we say that at the front end, but it's easy to pile on the, the Pack 12 for all the mistakes that Larry Scott made pr- prior. And and it looks like George is making now but it doesn't uh, you know there just simply doesn't appear to be a path for them to to be relevant in the way that they have been or probably will be this year when when they're still at full strength and i, I just kind of had to laugh yesterday when i heard that the best they could do was apple which by the way there's nothing to sneeze at with apple however the idea that you're going to your presidents and saying listen here's what we have but if we get a bunch of people signed up," You'll get that. That that's not how you sell. Extremely intelligent people, especially uh, you know many of them in their fifties, sixties, even seventies, who right. don't really understand uh, you know what Apple TV and streaming is all about. Even though they can have it explained a thousand times, these are people that walk in their house, flip on their cable and expect to see their school on ESPN or Fox. And when, and when that doesn't happen, they, they
0: get nervous. And that's why Colorado is gone. And that's why we may see more. Yeah, and, and that's just it. I think you hit on it there perfectly because linear TV is still a thing. Regardless of what suits and every television network are telling you, linear TV is still a thing Now. I'm not saying Klayovkoff hasn't looked ahead to where it's eventually probably headed. And he might be a few years ahead of something that's brilliant. But as of right now, the age group that you just mentioned with these league presidents and what you and I do for a living and what we know sells during the college football season, it's flipping on linear TV to watch college football. And you can't, you can't sit to these, By the way, you've already lost. It's a USC league. It always has been. It always will be. You've already lost that. So to come to the room with something that might be five years early is not the way to go about this. I think this spooks too many people where I would be stunned if Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah didn't find their way out over to the Big 12.
1: Those three schools should leave. They should leave immediately, Matt, Uh, because – Trusting this plan is foolhardy. And and by the way, uh, this is this is not something that they came up with over the weekend. Uh, this is something this guy has been working on for months and been and, and been telling people, hey, it's going to get better. Well, nothing he has said has, has come out true. And, and by the way, I'm not blaming him entirely. No. Uh, Larry Scott, the previous commissioner, turned down a deal with ESPN that would look very good right now, but it didn't look good to him at the time because he he was thinking big things. Uh, So he's got, I mean, Klyakov can only do, uh, he can only get partners that that agree and and the big networks have already moved on. Um, And that's why I I agree with you completely, Matt. And if these three don't move on quickly, they're making a big mistake. What what else is there to hear? I mean, they waited uh, for weeks now while Colorado finally decided they couldn't wait any longer to hear this presentation. And we both know, because uh, you've got far closer uh, and better sources to these schools right now than I do, that it didn't go over very well, and, and it shouldn't have gone over very well. And and I happen to know a lot about Apple. Uh, I have interviewed uh, and spent time, uh, considerable time, with with Tim Cook, who is the the CEO and chairman of Apple, who happens to be an Auburn fan, right, and graduate, and a, and, a, and a big football fan. And he's not somebody you 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 sneeze at. He's a, he's the most powerful uh ceo probably in the whole world right now but that doesn't make it this plan any better uh it's this would be a good
0: second or third tier plan but not a primary plan and when you look at and here's where i think the biggest problem for the pac-12 is first of all it's a conference that has been around since 1900 the pacific coast conference has been such a good conference for sports throughout time be it in football, most notably, basketball, Olympic sports. It dominates in Olympic sports. And oh, by the way, academically, it's a pretty damn good conference. Problem Mm -hmm. is now when you're trying to sell this neighborhood of properties, your most valuable football property has moved to another neighborhood, Mm -hmm. USC. You can't You can't sell the Pacific Coast Conference without USC. They're your most valuable entity. And I know Oregon's flashy and they're with Nike and they've got a good thing going and it's all grandeur up there in Eugene. They're not a USC brand. Washington's not a brand. Washington's good. They're not a USC. They're not a UCLA. And so trying to sell a network with what's left over of your property without USC and UCLA is going to be difficult. That's part one. Part two, if you're Arizona State, Arizona, Utah, and you're looking around, it's like, well, wait a second. Do I still want to hang around for San Diego State, Boise State, or whoever would be a glorified Mountain West? Arizona, as much as I dislike Arizona because of that helmet right there, Arizona is a power in college basketball. And you put them in the Big Twelve with Baylor and Kansas, everybody in between. That's a good league. Arizona State has always been a good baseball program, and has a football team, that can, can. I mean, this isn't Utah's the defend two time defending Pac twelve champion. I mean, the Big Twelve overnight, if they grabbed these three schools, would be you could argue maybe a step ahead of the ACC. And Tom, so no, I... we're taping this what at ten oh six a.m. on Wednesday. This could up all be irrelevant by Friday,
1: and. Matt, what you just said there is striking because even without those three, but with those three, the ACC is suddenly the conference in trouble. And, you know, we can talk about that in a minute, but because I have some pretty strong opinions about where they are and how they got there, but it, it doesn't make sense for these three. I mean, and by the way, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State – they're not as big. a. It's not that big of a stretch for them to be in the in the in the Big 12. Uh, they're, I mean, they're not exactly neighbors, but it's it's not like USC and, and Rutgers. Uh, it's not that big <laughs> a deal. I mean, it's in, at least it's in this that part of the country. Right. Uh, I mean, they're 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 not three time zones away. And those are all quality. Uh, Even in football, you're not going to sneeze at at Utah coming to your place or or, 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 or even the the other two have have had enough moments. And the pressure then on Oregon, Washington would be immense because that's not a league they want to get stuck in either. And I I don't think they have too many options unless the Big Ten just says, you know what, we're going to – we're, we're going for broke here. We're bringing in a couple of more and and then hope to keep uh, the, the pressure everywhere else. But we are we are at a tipping point in college football to, at today uh, that we haven't seen in a long time. We've seen we've seen incremental change, sure. incremental. I mean, come on, Oklahoma, Texas, USC, UCLA. But this this is uh, this is even uh, this isn't. Bigger and, and splashier, but it could be more important because this is literally burying a league. Uh, I, I, I I know people say, okay, enough of the hyperbole. I, I said the other day, the big with you that the, the the Pac-12 is 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 dead. If you know, give it last Right? I'm not kidding. Uh, I mean, that's not an exaggeration. I say things sometimes for shock, for fun. That that is the truth. I mean, this league is is, is dying. Uh, and anyone who wants to hang around for the funeral, good luck. But uh, you're, you're not going to have any word. Nobody's going to be seeing you in the future if you want to stay there.
0: No, and, and it's a, the conference that I grew up in. I grew up in Arizona. This is the league that I grew up watching and loving. It really is sad when you see what's coming, but it isn't hard. It's not hard. We're not capologists here and football realignment doctors. What we are is realists, and we've seen where this sport is headed. And to see this league – little by little get pecked away to where it's going to be to the point where it's absolutely nothing is certainly on the horizon, which is where I believe the ACC needs to be careful because as we sit here today, Paul, I am convinced of it. I don't know anything. I haven't talked to anybody. I just know how this stuff has gone over the past five years. There's a team in a school like Florida State who would be really, really entertained by A or sec expansion or leaving the conference to form their Florida state to me is one of the teams that host schools that holds the cards to the future of the ACC. That I believe there are at least
1: four schools in the ACC who have had conversations, serious, extensive conversations going, okay, what is the bottom line number? It would, it will take us to get out of here. That I believe at least four, maybe more, want out of the ACC today, and there's nothing left for the ACC to do. They, they are stuck in a long-term deal. It's with ESPN. It's the deal they wanted to have their own conference network, and I'm so happy that the ACC network is alive and well. We're all cheering for it. However, uh, it is not was it worth uh, mortgaging the league's future until the twenty mid, the mid 2030s And 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 right now, uh, we're talking about massive numbers, a hundred million plus. But I but I think there's a, I think some of those schools are looking around and going, you know what? It doesn't matter. We have to find a way out. And why do they want want out? Is it money? It, it is money on one hand, but it's also recruiting. Uh, ACC coaches. Are having to recruit against the SEC right now and they, and they're losing. Uh, even the, even the best, and I'm not talking about you can, you can throw up. Hey, well, they got this guy or that guy. great. I'm talking about day in, day out. They're yep. getting beaten and they have no chance and, and, and they're hearing it from players. Players want to be in here. You know, people say, well, here goes Paul Feinbaum. What? Well, no, players want to be in the big leagues. The big 10 is a super conference. The, the SEC is a super conference. And if you're looking at. North Carolina or Florida state or Clemson or Miami, and you have the choice uh, and the money uh, isn't that is the money's not going to stop you. You're probably going to want to play in the sec over the ACC. You are definitely going to want to. And, and Clemson wants out, you know that Matt uh, I, I think North Carolina wants out uh, Miami probably is looking elsewhere. Yep. And the sec is not the only place. Uh, the big tens a factor here too, especially for a school like North Carolina.
0: Yeah, and, and and you know academics with North Carolina, Miami certainly an academic institution. It's a private school, uh, but the, when you look at when you look at it, the big picture, Florida State long dominated that league forever under Bobby Bowden. Miami, we know the U. That's a football power. Clemson's this decade's football power in the ACC. And when you start coming for a school's money, well, when you start coming for the one money revenue generated the school has and it's starting to be attacked, which football conferences are, what is the first thing those school presidents are going to do? Well, wait a second. My Clemson football team makes this school a hell of a lot of money. Miami yeah. football, whether the academics want to admit it or not, the U is known for football. We've already touched on Florida State. North Carolina, dual-branded with Jordan Brand, and basketball has certainly been their calling card, but Mac Brown at least has the football program with the Pulse. When you start coming after those re- revenue centers – People are going to freak out and they're going to start looking to protect themselves. And that's why you could go back, Paul, to probably a show we did last year, a sports center that we did over the last few years. What have we long said? College football is headed for two two big conferences, maybe with the big 12-3, talk about 60 schools overall that are going to compete and break away from the NCAA and do their own thing. And as each day passes and each rumor and each Board of Regents meeting goes, we are one day closer to this becoming a reality.
1: Yeah, and and listen, uh, personal feelings aside, uh, Jim Phillips is in a real pickle. He's a commissioner Yeah. Uh, of, of the ACC. And, you know, he can say, he said what you have to say, but I, I'm not sure how much credibility he, he had last week at the ACC meetings, Matt, uh, or two weeks ago, when, when he's, when he tried to calm the, the waters down, I mean, he's being attacked on two fronts. He was the AT at Northwestern as well. And, you know, he is close to an uprising, uh there and i mean he nearly had it at, at the spring meetings and then he got he got everybody in a room and they some come by and but nobody believes it nobody believes that that league is, is in the is heading in the right direction and i don't have the solution I, and by the way it's not my problem uh but there are a lot of factors involved here and you know don't be surprised one day to to to, to read that okay you know x school has figured out it will cost 143 million dollars to get out and they're willing they're willing to do it and you know the litigation could follow a million things could follow but at some point uh it, it, there are you know clemson and, and florida state are very valuable commodities uh north carolina miami very valuable commodities Absolutely. and they don't have anywhere to turn uh i asked a, an acc insider the other day so assuming they lost someone or even if they don't where do they go to expand <laughs> you've heard the names west virginia that's a school that they passed on 10 12 years ago yeah I mean I, I'm not I'm not looking for anybody to to you know to get mad at me in in West Virginia but you, what do they offer uh they, they, the SEC said no to West Virginia and and the problem is you know the ACC schools don't want to be in the same room with West Virginia from an academic standpoint
0: yeah and look in West Virginia they had to grab onto what they could they grabbed onto the big 12 which if you talk to anybody for them. Within the Big 12 or at West Virginia, the travel is hell for them based on where they are in West Virginia relative to some of the schools they have to play in the Big 12. And I think travel concerns went out the window when you, we, we joke around the big UCLA-Rutgers and big USC-Rutgers game of the Big 10. But it's where we are in, in the state of college football. That's off the field. On the field, August 2nd, as I mentioned, one month to the first full Saturday of college football. But one day to the day, August 2nd, Alabama reports to camp. Auburn reports to camp. Texas A&M reports to camp. I believe LSU's August 3rd. So, Paul, let's start with Auburn. I want to start with with, with Hugh Freeze, year one at Auburn. They report to camp today. Give me one big storyline as it relates to Auburn as they embark on Hugh Freeze's first camp. Well, the quarterback race is
1: interesting. But to me, Matt, the, quarter, uh, the biggest storyline has been off the field. And last week, and I hate to be that guy to talk recruiting. I know you don't want to hear it either, but it's a fact that they flipped two five stars. Yeah, one, one from Georgia, one from Alabama. Uh, that's a big deal. Auburn hasn't hasn't flipped a player from those two schools away from those two schools in a long time. And and they not only have a pulse, I mean it, they have a heartbeat, and they have momentum. And and Hugh Freeze is out there now, and and he's 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 he creating a, a lot of issues for schools. And you know what? What is, what is it going to look like on the field? I don't think it's going to be great. I mean, why should it be? Uh, the, the, he inherited a pretty bad mess. He's gotten some good transfers in there. Peyton Thorne comes over from what yep. Michigan State. Michigan State, yeah. Robbie Ashford uh, is that? Oh, those two quarterbacks that are going to get anyone excited? Probably not. But uh, he's got an option at least. Uh, and you know, in the SEC, as in another number of leagues, Matt you have three or four games that are 50-50, jump balls. And if you you might steal one, you might not. But if you steal one or two, suddenly you look like you're having a good record. And what, what Hugh Freeze has done is create momentum, and that's the most important thing.
0: That's it. What do I say all the time about college football? One of the biggest uh, keys to success within the sport is belief. And if you have something or someone that makes your school, your alumni, and your team believe while well, you're on your way, and that's what Hugh does, he does that and the fact that he did he did get the guys to flip, which is a huge get for Auburn because recruiting is where college football fans live and breathe because they know that's the future. But the other thing, Paul, he's one of the rare commodities in the league that it's beaten Nick Saban, and he beat him twice. And so when you just put that belief in your head coach's office, like that guy beat Nick Saban at Ole Miss two years in a row, he can't help but come back to a league where he left in shame and he'll admit that, but he can't help, but come back to a league, to a school and say, you know what? Not only have I beaten Nick Saban, but I'm coming to the other half of the iron bowl with facilities, with resources and with the belief that we can take down a guy who let's be honest is probably at the tail end of his career. And and
1: that's a reality. Um, and uh, you yeah. I hate to wax poetic, but I remember uh, at the beginning of my career, uh, another Auburn coach flipped a player away from Bear Bryant, and suddenly we started going, I wonder is this a moment in time that we're going to go back to? And to me, that's what last week reminded me of. Uh, Saban is is on short time. I mean, come on. Uh, he Nick, <laughs> it, it came out in, a, in a, a publication today in in Palm Beach. Matt, Nick Saban spent 17 years, point five million dollars buying a home on Jupiter Island. His neighbors, Tiger Woods. Oh yeah, uh, I'm familiar with uh, the
0: area. You, you know,
1: you know the drill. We had a place in West Paul. I know
0: exactly where they're at. So
1: I mean I'm 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 just asking my, my friends in Alabama if your head coach just dropped 17 and a half mil for that's not is that a weekend home, Matt? I don't think so. Uh he's a, and by the way, he's already got a, a weekend home uh in Florida, uh on the other on the other coast. He's got a uh lake house in Georgia. I mean, that to me sounds like a retirement home. I don't know. I'm, am I crazy? I don't I don't have a home in Florida. You understand that locale, but that that's what it sounds like to me. Um, and uh, you know, and maybe 17 and a half is not a lot of money to Nick Saban but that, that really is, is pretty remarkable. Uh, and, and I, I think, you know, he is, he, I, I don't know when he's going to retire, but uh he, he'll, Hugh Freeze will be at Auburn after Nick Saban's at Alabama. I can mark, I can mark that one down pretty easily.
0: You, you know, and when it comes to Nick and, you know, you talked to him at SEC media days, I had him on sports center with me and, you know, I had asked him how his off-season life, work, work work-life balance has changed throughout the years, and he got into that about how he understands now it's important for his coaching staff to be around his family, which I think is all well and good because he has learned that you can still win by not putting in 24-7 and burning out your entire coaching staff. But for me, for Saban, and I want to get into the storylines going into Alabama's camp in just a minute, but when you look at Nick Saban holistically and how college football – and I want to bring in college basketball for this conversation has changed coaches because the legends of the game, Roy Williams, Jim Beheim, uh, even our guy at Villanova, Jay Wright, these are guys, coach K. Mm-hmm. These are coaches that were legends that outwardly said, Paul, man, I can't keep up nowadays. I can't keep up with the portal and the NIL and everything that goes into being a successful college coach. I'm not saying Nick Saban doesn't have the resources, the brain, and the want to to deal with all the portal and everything in between, but this is not Nick Saban's college football from a decade ago.
1: No, and and, and the signs are there. Uh, you know, I have Alabama friends who who don't would never criticize Nick Saban, but they say the reason we, meaning Alabama, didn't win the last two years, and and by the way, they came in second and fifth we're coaching Uh, and all the criticism goes to the coordinators, Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding, but he, he had an offensive line coach who used to be a head coach in the NFL who uh, he got rid of last year. And uh, yeah, there, there, there's so much blame to go around uh, and you want, you just have to wonder. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know, Matt. I mean, we we all see things differently, but you know, he's, uh, He's he's going to Italy. He's getting he's partaking in a Ferrari dealership. He's buying a uh, nearly a 20 million dollar beach home. I mean, these sounds like it sounds like a guy who may have discovered life after all these years. And and, uh, you know, maybe the most important thing isn't winning his eighth national championship.
0: Yeah, and look, when we were on Sports Center, we were looking at his golf swing, and he, he was mad that we were showing the video of how bad his golf swing was at the time. I tell you what, investing eighteen million dollars in a home near Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, Dunson, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, that will change your golf swing in a minute when you sit next to those guys. Uh, but storylines coming into Alabama's camp. Look, last year going into the into the season, Will Anderson Jr., Bryce Young, noted as the two best players at their respective positions in college football, couldn't get it done. Big picture national championship. I believe Alabama has a number of storylines coming into this camp, most notably in a long-time quarterback. I thought Jalen Milrow was a creative player type player who was physically imposed. I mean, you just look at him and be like, that kid plays quarterback? I still believe there's a place for him in the offense, but you know that they had a transfer come in from Notre Dame along with Tommy Reese. To me, Tyler Buckner, Jalen Milrow, Tommy Reese is the biggest storyline for Alabama as they start camp today on August 2nd.
1: It has to be, and you know we'll try not to use too much deductive logic here. But Nick Saban hires Tommy Reese. First thing Tommy Reese does, he brings along his quarterback Tyler Buckner, who by the way loses a job to Sam Hartman. But I'm not sure that's any shame. I mean, Hartman's a really Hartman's
0: good a guy. record setter, right?
1: Uh, so I I have I have people that argue uh, Ty Simpson Buckner, but Buckner seems more likely. Uh, and and what you said about Milrow is 100 correct. He will maybe start the first game, but, but, but I think, I think, I think Alabama looks at him as somebody who can be situational and and, and be a factor. Uh, he, he's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he can do a lot of things. Uh, you know, is he, is he a starting quarterback? I doubt it.
0: Yeah. And, and we like talking transfer portal here um, and, Nick Saban's done it the past couple of years within the transfer portal. Jameer Gibbs, transfer portal from Georgia Tech, ended up being a first round pick in the NFL. Uh, Burton, the receiver from Georgia, transferred in, didn't quite do as much as I think Alabama fans had hoped. But here we go, Paul, another year in the transfer portal, and Tyler Buckner could be the key to Alabama's postseason success. So Saban using the portal to bring in who could be his starting quarterback, which you know, five years ago, that would seem hilarious based on the lineage of quarterbacks he's trotted through there from Tua. you know Jalen Hurts started his career there, ended up transferring to Oklahoma. Mac Jones and his career. I mean, this was a guy who was prideful on building from within with his recruits. And now we're seeing for a second consecutive year, someone in the portal coming in, having a big say in what goes on there.
1: Yeah. And some people I'm sure are saying, how did Saban end up with this? And the problem was that he had, you know, he had so many great quarterbacks in a row and and Bryce Young, uh, you know, could have stayed another year. Of course, <laughs> we all laugh. Um, but he, he, he went out and recruited a couple of guys and, you know, they didn't quite pan out. And then he went out and got a five-star in Ty Simpson and he's a freshman. Uh, so he really got caught. Uh, you know, what, what, does it cost him this year? It could, uh, but you know, he's got a lot of that. But one thing about Alabama though, uh, it's, it's an interesting schedule, but there's enormous talent on this team. Yes. And that, you know, we, we don't, don't read too much into what they lost. Uh, if they can figure out the quarterback situation quickly. And I mean, like immediately, then they, they need to, they, they have a favorable home schedule. They have a favorable schedule with their two toughest games, Excuse me. There are three toughest games at home: Texas, LSU, and Tennessee.
0: And here's what we know: when it comes down to coaching, Alabama is going to find their way into this one, uh, as they always do. The Texas one, for me, that's to me Alabama, Texas. If you look at all the games across the schedule this year, Paul, Alabama, Texas, week two, week two, is that correct? Is my in my schedule memorization week two Alabama, Texas. That's the biggest game on the college football slate, and it's not even close. Because for me, it's a tipping point game for Alabama with what do they have coming back? And it sure as hell is a tipping point for Steve Sarkeesian in Texas because they have been picked to win the Big 12. They have the talent coming back. And if they can get by that one with a win, you seriously have to consider Texas a college football playoff contender. For me, that's the game of the season, and it's not even close.
1: Yeah, and some would argue, hey, well, did you did you miss LSU, Florida State? Well, you no, know, we didn't miss that game. But both those schools have other problems ahead. That's right. Uh, Florida State has Clemson very quickly. Uh, LSU has, has has a monster schedule, uh, including a road game at Alabama, at Mississippi State very early on. Games that people go, really, but the SEC on the road in this is is a precarious place. So I, I agree with you on that, Matt. And if Texas wins. And Alabama quarterbacks uh, don't play well, then you have a problem because you can't fix a quarterback situation in the middle of the season.
0: The only problem we have currently is we are still a month away from the start of the season, but camp starting today. Uh, We're a month away from the first college football Saturday. So we are getting close as we get you revved up uh, for the 2023 college football season. Paul Pine, Wow, I just butchered your name at the end. For Paul Feinbaum. I'm Matt Barry. Thanks for watching the Matt Barry Show here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel.